And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief over at ArrowheadPride.com. Once again, joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. It is Thursday, August 20th. We have passed the break of training camp. We would be in the dog days of training camp if we were up at St. Joe sweating it out. But it's the virtual world we're living in right now. How is training camp treating you, John? Well, we're busy. It's it's uh, it's more of a load to do it this way. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, but, you know, it's like anything else that everybody else is having to go through. We're just having to deal with it as it comes along for you this time. And maybe sometime somebody can do something for us. Yeah, it's it's wild because we're working from home right now. I'm not able to go and I'm usually able to be on the ground. But the Chiefs are keeping the interview opportunities coming. We're jumping on Zooms. And so there's just a lot of things the Chiefs are saying. And so we try to keep you as updated as we can at Arrowhead Pride. Uh, anyway, we got a great show for you today. We got Good Morning Football's Kyle Brandt, who will join us for segment two. A really good interview. We discuss his new podcast. He recently had Tyron Matthew on. We talk about Patrick Mahomes, the perception of the Chiefs. So stick with us. That'll be in segment two. And of course, we'll finish up as we do on every Thursday edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show with the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. But we start with some injury updates. Now, I had talked last show, John, about my worry meter when it came to Chief Safety One Thornhill. Mm. I am feeling a little bit better as we reconvene today because Juan Thornhill on Wednesday returned to the practice field on a limited basis and I think this is exactly what you wanted to see now it isn't full participation Andy Reid was very clear in noting that but I think this is the first step to him potentially being ready for what is and I hate to scare you here 21 days away Chiefs Texans on (laughs) Thursday night (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting how these things go. You know, by Tuesday night, we'd gotten ourselves all worked up to the idea that Juan Thornhill wasn't going to be back. We'd signed two uh, safeties, uh, Tedrick Thompson, and apparently, uh, as soon as he gets through the COVID testing, this former Miami Dolphins safety, uh, Adrian Adrian Colbert. Colbert. Yep. Right. And so we'd all pretty much convinced ourselves that Juan Thornhill wasn't going to be back in time for the season. And then the next day, He's out on the practice field getting ramped up to play. So, yeah, I feel a lot better, too. And, you know, I think I I, I just think just a quick point. I just think this is a sign of the times a little bit, too. Sure. Right. Where you need depth at every position. Normally in a non-pandemic training camp world, Mm -hmm. we would see the signings of Tedrick Thompson and Adrian Colbert potentially and say, oh, man, there's something really wrong about Juan Thornhill's rehabilitation and something sketchy going on here we probably would have been correct but you need the depth at every position because you just simply don't know what's going to happen so good to to feel like I'm 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 if you listen to on Tuesday show I'm I'm bringing my meter back from down from a five to a three on the Thornhill worry scale so yes that is I know that it was on the minds of everybody so I'm I'm glad I was able to get that out We do have some other injury notes. John, I, apparently you got it right in front of you. You can go through them as you may. No, that's okay. Uh, well, we still have Frank Clark missing practice. He's uh, got a stomach virus, apparently not the COVID, as uh, Andy Reid keeps explaining to us. Something to uh, monitor, because last year yeah. he had some issues there where he ended up losing 20 pounds, and mm. these issues also date back to his days as a Seattle Seahawks. So... I hate to bring up the worry meter again. So I'm intrigued now because this is lingering. He had a stomach issue. He returned to practice already at training camp, right? Mm -hmm. And then now is is out again. So not a good sign there. Well, you know, I kind of get that. You try and power through it one day and it's like, yeah, I can't do it. You know, I got to, I got to get coach. I got to get back out again. I would and not so, be worried if we, if, if, if there had not been those past issues, that's my only. Right. Right. Last year, remember he ended up in the hospital and they couldn't figure it out. 
Mm-hmm. And it was something that people talked about, you know, did he have COVID? What was going on with that? Yeah. But it's pretty clear that that isn't the case. He's being tested every day, even when he's got a stomach virus, right. I presume, because he's going to have to be tested every day or else he will have to go through the three-day process to get back in the facility. So they're pretty sure that that's not what this is. Of course, they know what Eric Fisher has. He's got a concussion. He's still in the protocol for the time being. More groin injuries from Sammy Watkins, Antonio Hamilton, Dion Yelder, Brian Pringle still out with a knee injury of some kind. We don't know much more about Ricky Seals-Jones, who was carted off the field on Tuesday, and then a strained hamstring from Lavert Hill. This is just the kind of thing that we deal with every year. The big problem was Juan Thornhill, so I, I personally am feeling a lot better about that situation. And now we can talk about things like maybe... Adrian Colbert is somebody thinking about being a cornerback in the early part of the season, or maybe they're just bringing him in so that if they have to make an emergency call later in the season, they'll have a guy that they at least had some exposure with during training camps. He'll have some idea of what to do if they have to call him in suddenly. So, you know, lots of things that could happen here. Plenty of analysis on Colbert. This actually broke right before the nerd guys went on. So if you're hearing this and have not listened to the AP Laboratory, want some more details on what Colbert can bring to the table, go back and listen to that. But yeah, I I think it is a depth move. And don't forget, Brett Beach throws these starts every year. And I Mm -hmm. I think this could be an example of that where, you know, maybe he had a a write-up from a few years back and maybe he has some upside and and we'll see how how he he does as he tries to stick with the Chiefs. Moving on to a starting cornerback for your Kansas City Chiefs. Here we go. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Rashad Breeland. So you probably are wondering why I'm playing this uh, rap song behind me. And it's because Rashad Breeland got word from the NFL that he would indeed be suspended four games. So the first thing he did was go to Instagram and post this music video. He's also a musician on the side uh, with his apology. And so Breeland said, as previously announced by the league, I've received a four-game suspension for off-the-field matters. I post this today because I want to apologize publicly to the entire Chiefs organization, my coaches, teammates, family, and fans. I accept full responsibility for my actions, and I look forward to getting back on the field with my teammates to defend our Super Bowl title. Thank you to everyone for your continued support, and let's go Chiefs. There you go. So, first ever, I think, rap video in history posted with an apology, but Breland, it seems like he's accepting the suspension. I know there had been word of potential appeal process. It sounds like it's going to be four games, and I thought what was interesting here is when this type of thing comes down, usually there's more information if there were going to be an additional suspension with the April incident. I'm not 100% that we're clear from that, but Mm -hmm. I feel pretty sure that it's going to be capped at four games, especially with the new CBA. So at least now we know uh, where Breland, we think we know at least we think we know where we, right. Exactly. Where it seems like Breland won't be with the team for four games. We still don't know anything about Mike Pinnell's suspension. We'll keep you updated at arrowheadpride.com, but the Breland thing, and you talk about Alex Brown being lost for the season with the torn ACL. Andy Reid was asked about cornerback depth on Wednesday. As far as the young corners, we'll, we'll see. We're, time will tell here um, as we go, but we've got a good nucleus of guys, and uh, it'll all sort out here in the next couple of weeks, and everybody's working hard and getting a lot of reps, which is good, and uh, we should be fine there. Andy Reid has to say that, and I appreciate that. He's the head coach. There's never going to be an Andy Reid quote where he says, no, yeah, we're panicked. Uh, (laughs) We are not feeling good about our cornerback depth at the moment. It is a concern, and not that it's a concern right now for me. I think I noted this in the last show. I get all my hits and stuff jumbled a little bit, but I just think they're one one injury or one problem at the cornerback position away from serious issue. And that's my worry at this point. I, I wonder what they can do there. I think safety help is important, right? Because three safety looks will help alleviate some of those concerns. I, I know that Dan Sorensen took a step in a lot of people's eyes last year where he, he had that play in the playoffs. And for lack of better terms, it was really dirty, really nice play by, by Dan Sorensen. And if Thornhill can be back, I think you feel a lot better with the defensive back room in general. 
Cornerback is a concern, though, I, and and it would make me feel better if I could be on the ground and say, oh, look at rookie Legarius Sneed. He looks like he could at least step in for a few games. Right. Or look at Bo Pete Keys. He, it looks like, all right, maybe there is something there where you can throw him in, see how he does, and Mahomes is good enough to lead your team to victory. You, you can't, I, I don't know. I hope so. I hope, I hope the Chiefs are in that place. That's the, the big thing that we're missing in the season of coronavirus is that we don't have the opportunity to make our own evaluations from the sidelines during training camp. And I'm talking about the press, not necessarily the fans. It's great that the fans get to make those evaluations. We appreciate those when the fans say what they think as well. But nobody's getting to do it except a couple of guys from a few media outlets. And they're really not telling us a whole lot. And even if they did. Yeah, that's not on them either, too. Yeah. So the way this works for for the fans out there is once training camp is closed to fans, all bets are off even when it comes to reporters. The team can basically Mm -hmm. say to reporters, here is the protocol. And you look at Green Bay, it actually is a little harsher in Green Bay where they're being really specific about the type of articles you can write. You're not even really allowed to do a 53-man roster projection because fans will know, okay, this person is at practice and they don't infer certain things. So I, I don't like it. I think it's bad for the league. I understand it in the coronavirus pandemic. And because other teams are doing this, you want to be on the same playing field. It needs to be something the PFWA and the NFL adjust when there is no pandemic, hopefully next year, to get things back to normal. Because this is not only the ramp-up period, and we joke about that because it's such a buzzword now. This is the ramp-up period usually for excitement in the league. And mm. this, in a sense, curbs that excitement buildup a little bit. Now, sure does. millions of people are going to watch opening night. I, I don't doubt that. But it, it is... It is a worse ramp up and it is less excitement, I think, going in when you just don't really know anything. And in a lot of ways, the concern would be that just like working at home, that a lot of businesses didn't try for their employees before the pandemic. And there's a lot of those employees that will never go back to the office when the pandemic is over and everything is back to normal. They'll still be working at home because employers found out, oh, this actually works pretty well. My worry is that NFL teams will go, oh, well, this Zoom conference call is a pretty cool idea for the, for the media. And hey, hey, it's great that, you know, we didn't have to do X, Y, and Z during training camp because, because of the pandemic. What if we right. just, yeah, we're going to keep doing that. So this could, this could fundamentally alter the kind of coverage that teams get. It's just uh, ultra controlled. I, yeah. I worry about this season too. I don't. I don't think any reporters will be in the locker room, and I mm-hmm. think that's going to go fine. I don't think that there's going to be a dip in ratings. I I don't know if the locker room doors will ever open again. That's mm-hmm. a problem for another year. It's probably yeah. something yeah. the listener cares a little bit less about than I do. But there you but go. We that's, care, so we're going to talk about it. So. <laughs> that's, that's my. That's my. I guess breakdown of well, media the relations should care a little bit because it could change what we see in the future. That's my thing. And I know that it, a it, little bit. it, it impacts my day to day greatly when it comes mm-hmm. to trying to find captivating stories where you, the listener will be affected is if locker room doors are closed forever, you, you won't get to know your players as well, right. especially on a day to day basis. It's not so much the national guy that's going to get the okay to go in and talk to Tyron Matthew one-on-one. I, I think that'll still happen. It is the day-to-day local beat guys. Now the Herbies, the Vahes, Sam, Adam Teicher, who writes you. a really good feature myself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, so thank you. I I respect those guys so much. Anyway, it's those type of stories that, that you would lose out on if you're not able to build relationships with these guys. And deep background goes away. You know, we, we are we're right. always talking about things that we know more about than we're saying because we get information outside the normal stream that is on deep background, to use the journalistic term, where we can't say where we got it or what we really know, but we can kind of allude to things because we know stuff is going on. Right. And this happens in every kind of reporting, not just sports reporting. And that channel is now closed. You don't get the opportunity to say to a player as they're walking out of the locker room, hey, off the record, what about this? Or a coach or anybody else or encounter them in the elevator. I used to get lots of information talking to people in the elevator. Uh, (laughs) And so it's, uh, you don't get those opportunities anymore. So that's subtly going to change the kind of coverage that teams get 
All right. We will take your invoices for this Journalism 101 course. (laughs) Thank you. Moving on, Andy Reid on Marcus Kemp. Marcus Kemp, wide receiver, back with the Chiefs after the injury last year. We always knew this to be a possibility. It looked like he had a tryout the other day, and now he's back with the Chiefs. And I thought it was interesting to hear Andy Reid and just how high he is on wide receiver Marcus Kemp, who we maybe thought the Chiefs were done with. I'm so glad that he's back now because he was playing the best football he'd ever played since we've had him here uh, when he got hurt. And it was a shame that, that that happened. And now he's getting a chance to come back. It looks like he's worked his tail off. We worked him out yesterday and he, he did a great job with it. So uh, he needs to get himself into football shape as he goes. But he took, he took some reps today and did a nice job with it. And, and we'll just see how it goes. But we, we need depth at that position. You know that there in the, in the secondary because they, they do quite a little bit of running. Marcus Kemp last year tore his ACL and MCL back in August, actually, of 2019. So here we are one year to follow that. And I actually remember Kemp last year. And it's true, you could notice that he was coming on Mm -hmm. in the preseason. And this is another guy who maybe could push to be part of this Chiefs somewhat expanded roster this year. Yeah, I think so. And and. The other thing, too, is that we remember that Marcus Kemp is an outstanding special teams player. Right. And we always see that the Chiefs value versatility in players. It allows them to more flexibility in how they construct their roster. You know, if you've got a wide receiver who is a fine special teams player, he's going to be a better guy to have in the wide receiver room as long as you're not pushing out a guy that that has more talent as a wide receiver. So this is, to me, an indicator that Marcus Kemp might be back on the active roster this year, but he certainly could be a practice squad guy. It seems to me it's been amusing as as we watch them make Oliva Hifo the new C.J. Spiller for the team, put him on the roster, off the roster, wave him, cut him. And this last run, he was just here for three days. I personally feel like the Chiefs were thinking, we need to get a guy like Marcus Kemp. And then all of a sudden it occurred to us, oh, we could get Marcus Kemp. (laughs) Right. The team did choose not to tender him. And so it it Mm -hmm. was a little in flux. And I guess the rehab went well. They probably said, you know, let's see what you got when you're healthy and came back. Well, maybe five months ago, the rehab wasn't going well. Right. You know, these are the things we don't know. And uh, maybe five months ago, they looked at it and said, yeah, this isn't going to guy. We don't think he's going to be ready. And now that they, you know, had this hole that they weren't filling with the undrafted players, they're like, well, what if we took a look at him? And now they seem like they're okay with his rehab. So, yeah, so we'll see if Kemp can crack this roster, that sixth or seventh wide receiver role. I want to get to Anthony Hitchens, and we had noted in detail that we're not on the ground right now. So I wanted to pull this this question and answer. So normally I'll just play the player, but Adam Teicher, ESPN, he is able to be on the ground. So he described a moment in practice and Hitchens kind of followed, and it has to do with running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Hey, I wanted to ask you about a play from today's practice. I think it was in the two-minute period, uh, um, maybe early in the team period, um, when Clyde uh, caught a pass out in the flat and you came up to uh, make a play and he kind of made a little move on you. Um, where does that move rank in the in terms of good moves you've seen in the open field over the years? And who's the best back in, in that uh, situation you've ever played against it, one-on-one in the open field? Yeah, uh, to take you back to the play, it was two minutes and uh, it was a perfect play for his position, uh, having the tight end in line. And I kind of got rubbed by the tight end going vertical and I had to work over the top, which is hard. And then making a play on a guy like that in space is even, makes it even harder. But it's a good good play and a good uh, uh, setup for him. And uh, yeah, he made, he made a quick move. It's smart because it was a two-minute situation and uh, – he, he, he got all the yards, and he didn't have to get out of bounds. So he, he, he knew and he was thinking of the situation. So he cut back across the field, and uh, we eventually got him down, and they kick a field goal. But, yeah, he's, he's one of the, the better players in this league and will be the, one of the better players in this league at making people miss in, in open space. And uh, if I had to pick one guy when I was younger, uh, grown, like early in the league, it would probably be shady when he was in Philly. Uh, he's one of the shiftiest players in, in the open field. LaShawn McCoy 
is still, and I, I know they had this period, this cup of coffee last year. LaShawn McCoy is a borderline Hall of Famer. And so to make that comparison mm-hmm. and to talk about LaShawn McCoy when he was younger. Now, this is not the McCoy again last year and now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the younger McCoy with Philly and, and I guess for a period in Buffalo. So that's a pretty good comparison, especially for a guy that's going one-on-one with him now every day in practice. The other day on Bleacher Report, Peter Schrager said that you should be drafting Clyde Edwards-Alaire with number one overall pick. We heard that from Lewis Riddick. That's, I'm telling you, that is 2,000 yards from scrimmage type numbers. I know maybe not everyone plays fantasy. That's 2,000 yards from scrimmage type numbers as a rookie because you'd be taking him over Christian McCaffrey. This is just starting to remind me of the pre-Mahomes conversations where the only people who really knew about Patrick Mahomes were the guys that were getting videos and texts from the inside the Chiefs organization. You're starting to hear those rumblings on the national level of just how good this guy is. Wow. I I think individually, that's really exciting for a Chiefs fan to, to know that maybe he's in that area that window but what can that do for a guy like Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey when all of a sudden you have to be worried just as much in the flat in the backfield so on and so forth maybe all these guys are saying okay look at Clyde look at Clyde what I'm saying is I I, I try to curb myself here I, and I, I've said it I think a couple of times I think you might be looking at the greatest offense of all time for one season in 2020 if Clyde is as good as they say he is going to be. Yeah, well, that's always the problem. Right. Is Does that translate to on-field production? You know, we've had these kinds of moments before, even as Chiefs fans, where we think, oh, my God, this guy's going to be incredible. Right. And then it doesn't, the reality doesn't quite match up with that. That said... There's just nothing about Edwards or Lair at this point that isn't just incredible and encouraging. And so that's, you'd rather have that than not have that. You know, you'd rather be at this point saying, oh yeah, you know, this guy's going to be a beast than saying, oh yeah, he can't even hang on to the ball in practice. <laughs> right. You know, All the it's better than the alternative. <laughs> and this leads me to my secondary point with running backs. We kind of forgotten about Darwin Thompson, who was an exciting player, I think, for Chiefs fans last year. They drafted him in the sixth round. We had high hopes coming out of training camp. Never really led to any success when it came to the regular season. Barely played. I think he had the one touchdown. But Darwin Thompson, I think, made it very clear. And Haley Lewis of 41 Action News actually cut up some of the better quotes from Darwin Thompson yesterday. I'm going to play a portion with that. Darwin is pretty clearly saying here, everybody, don't forget me. So me and Clyde both on the battlefield. I want him to have a pistol, and I'm going to have a pistol. And we're going to let the best man win. So I'm not too much of holding secrets or how I got better last year as a rookie from people. So I try to help them as much as I can. I mean, if, if they sleep, I need to wake them up. My job is just to do my job. I know what kind of player I am. I don't too much pay attention to fantasy. I heard about it. Um, a lot of people say I'm a sleeper, this, that, and the other. Uh, I really don't know too much about fantasy. I might play it this year, though. But I told a lot of people that drafted me last year, they should have cut me early. They see I wasn't high at the precinct. I wasn't hot. They should have cut me. But this year, I mean, uh, go ahead and draft I mean, last year, I felt like I couldn't even see above the line of scrimmage. Yeah, the line or the old linemen were so big, and I didn't see linebackers and things like that. The game felt so fast. But now I'm in the film room, and I see it. I see it every day. I watch film every day. Um, I come out here with the attitude, I'm the king of the jungle. There you go. The king of the jungle, Darwin Thompson. Now, you got to take this with a grain of salt. I mean, I Darwin Thompson's not going to be the starter on this football team, but there is a real battle for number two. And this raised my eyebrows a little bit because, again, I can't see on the ground, and, and Darrell Williams supposedly has been getting the RB2 reps. I think that DeAndre Washington will eventually be the guy. But this has put Darwin back on my radar. I, I'm taking this press conference at face, and I'm saying maybe we shouldn't forget about him. I, I talked to Dylan McCullough at the Super Bowl, and I think I've said this on, on the podcast before, and they're just so high on Darwin. Every time he touches the football, it appears he gets better. So maybe there's an outside chance that we, we've overlooked him. I asked him about pass pro. He said that that has been a point of focus for him. He feels a lot better. That is what that quote regarding not being able to truly see the line of scrimmage last mm-hmm. year was, and, and he's understanding plays better. 
who knows? Like this is COVID, right? So we don't know. Maybe maybe we open up our eyes and all of a sudden the first step chart will have Darwin Thompson at RB2 and and it'll feel like it came out of nowhere, but maybe it shouldn't. Well, I love this kid. I've loved this kid since the first time he gave an interview at training camp last year. I love his attitude. I I love the way he looks at life. Uh, I love the way he looks at himself. I just love everything about this kid. He just hasn't shown us a lot on the field. Right. I mean, yeah, there's been some plays where he's made flashes and you go, wow, look at that. But he hasn't given us the kind of consistent production we'd like to see in a running back who's going to get a lot of snaps. Now, maybe we just need to see more snaps before we can see he's got that capability. That's certainly been something that's happened to other running backs in the past, and it could just as easily happen to Darwin Thompson. But you got to root for this kid. You know, he may not make it. He may not be the guy at any point in the future. But even given all that, you just got to just got to root for him. Yeah, I, I hope he wins the RB2 or at least is in, in the mix there. And after that press conference, yeah, you hope he has the biggest role on the team. <laughs> like well, this is exactly where team. I was a year ago, you know, when we, he gave some interviews at training camp last year. I was just immediately crazed about the guy. <laughs> That is your Chiefs news for this Thursday edition. When we come back, we will be joined by Good Morning Football NFL Network's Kyle Brandt to talk a little bit about his new podcast and some things Chiefs. So stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Right now on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, we are thrilled to be joined by NFL Network and Good Morning Football's Kyle Brandt. Kyle, I feel like this AP Good Morning Football thing was was a long time coming. Yes, ironically, Pete, it gives me a great sense of pride to be here talking to you. I'm sorry that I can't be uh, Peter Schrager and break out <laughs> pom-poms and uh, nipple tassels and jump around from Mahomes every five seconds. I'm sorry that I'm not in the Avengers. I'm not Ant-Man. I, I, I don't have that kind of clout as far as a Chiefs enthusiast, but uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of yours and I've ever had pride and uh, thrilled to be here. Let's talk some, let's talk some Chiefs, man. Whatever, what do you got for me today? Yeah, really pumps that you're able to join us. We appreciate all the love uh, at Arrowhead Pride when you guys mention us both on on camera and on social media. And what prompted us getting together today was a new project, a side project that you got going on called 10 Questions with uh, Kyle Brandt. Did a great interview with Tyron Matthew. I do want to get to that in just a second. But before we do, can you just tell our fans what you're doing what what this thing's about what what you're going after with this new ringer project okay so thank you for asking let me be the the latest to a scream from the mountaintops hey everybody check out my new podcast (laughs) have you heard that from everyone in your life your aunts and uncles and nieces and neighbors here's the deal let me try to cut through that I I was not just going to come out and say, hey, I've got another podcast or football podcast or something. I wasn't going to do it unless it was truly different. So what I created, it's almost like a game show and a talk show where it's called 10 Questions. And every guest that comes on, we've had so far Aaron Rodgers, Tyron Matthew, Paul Rudd, actually, and Kirk Cousins. They get 10 trivia questions that are sort of strange, tangential it could be anything. It could be about sports, movies, science, anything. And they have to answer it. If they get it right, they get a point. And then afterwards, we reveal, why are you asking me this? What does this have to do with me? For example, uh, when Aaron Rodgers came on, 
I asked him, I said, what is this movie clip I'm about to play you? He listens to it, and it was from the movie Backdraft. It's a fireman movie with uh, Robert De Niro and uh, Kurt Russell from Back in the Day, and he got it right, so he gets the point. But then I say, all right, why am I asking you about Backdraft? Aaron, let's go back to the draft. It was a strange one for the Packers, and then we get into the draft. Or if I ask him about um, what's the proper term for the baby goat, in which he didn't know, which is kid, and then we get into goat talk. Are you the goat? Are you the goat? Is Brady the goat? So that's how it works. It's a yeah. game. And then everybody leaves and they have a score. They got a six out of 10. They got a two out of 10. They got a 10 out of 10. And they compete against each other. So it's kind of a sport, kind of a game. And we talk and it's pretty fun, man. And it's different. The great thing I think about what you bring to the table at NFL Network is you're making football fun again, in a sense. And I know yeah. that this type of idea lends to probably having a lot of fun with your subjects, get some really fun stories that you wouldn't otherwise get. But what I, I learned from your your interview with Matthew is you can touch upon some of the more serious parts of his life. I have a clip right here. I'm going to play real quickly okay. for the audience of just a portion of it where you were talking about some of his struggles at LSU. Tyron, was it Les Miles who gave you the news that, that you would no longer be part of the team? And and exactly how did he phrase it? I mean, he, he was he was damn near crying. Like mm-hmm. it was so it was so hard for him to to do that. Um, I mean, because he knew me. You know, like he knew who I was and he knew what my heart was. And but obviously I feel like, you know, me and Coach Miles still have a great relationship to this day. I always remind him. You know, that him and my grandmother really probably made the two best decisions, you know, for me in my life. You know, my grandmother, I was, my grandfather passed away. She decided to move me to the other side of town with my uncle and my aunt. That's how I got into sports. Yeah. And, and, you know, with Coach Miles, you know, him releasing, him kicking me out of school really put me back on my feet. I had to rely on Tyron. I, I couldn't rely on the honey badger. And so I fell in love with Tyron again. So... I probably say those two experiences with my grandmother and Coach Miles, you know, a lot of people say I made the best decisions, but I think those two people really made the best ones for me. So right there, you know what I like about that is it it's long form. And sometimes you can only get those type of answers in long form. Like we love in Kansas City hearing from the honey badger, but you got to spend 63 minutes with this guy going in. What did you think of him? And then when you left this interview, how did you feel about Tyron Matthew? I probably like a lot of people. You you think you know the honey badger and he's a good right. player and he's cool to watch and you remember him in college and you remember he got in a lot of trouble and now he's turned his career around and he's a good player and he's a world champion. But that's just so on the surface. And you listen, I love to sit around and talk pop culture and movies and TV and stuff. I do. And we did talk about everything from Vin Diesel to Burnt Ends to all kinds of saying Michael Jackson together. But with Tyra Matthew, like there are so many different layers, like you have to go really deep. He has been through unbelievable, unspeakable violence and terrible, heavy childhood history, just unbelievable things. So you can't just jerk around with him. And the clip right. that you just played right there was part of what I wanted to get into. Like the fact that he sits there and says me being kicked out of LSU was one of the two greatest moments of my life, two greatest decisions ever made for me. That's that, that moment for a lot of people would break them. It'd be humiliation. They would fall into despair and, and depression. It made him. And that kind of answer from Tyron is so incredible. He goes into this dichotomy that he had. That I thought was so fascinating where he in college at the height of his fame, he really believed that he was the honey badger, not Tyron Matthews ceased to exist. He bought into, you're a superhero. You can do everything. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. No one can stop you. And he totally bought it. And he gets into this idea that I kind of forgot who Tyron Matthew was. I was the honey badger. It's like a superhero who... You know, Peter Parker just believes that he's he's Spider-Man and he forgets about the kid who he really is. It felt a lot like a a childhood star, like Macaulay Culkin or Lindsay Lohan or one of these who's just way too much fame when they're not ready for it. And then the drugs come and the vices. And I mean, he did not hold anything back. And it's miraculous that he's standing there on the podium with a Lombardi trophy and a Super Bowl champ and a big contract and respect because his journey was wild and we got into a lot of it. Yeah, and and I think we've seen it even at the pro level with him where he's had two teams 
that he's gone to. He, he ended up with the Chiefs. He had a four-year gap between all pros where he suddenly, yeah. I don't know if you sense that too at the national level, but he suddenly found it in him to turn back to elite last year. And I, I feel, and, and maybe you gather this from your interview with him too, I feel like he, he feels like he found a home in Kansas City. He loves the home. He loves the coaching staff there. I feel like it was a match. It feels like someone who was married and then had a divorce and just dated around for a while. You know, he <laughs> dated the Houston Texans. Right. He had a terrible falling out with the Texans. And then he found the, the, the Chiefs and it's like everything works and the staff loves me and I love my safeties coach. And I love my coordinator because once a guy goes all pro, you don't take a four-year break for all pro. Like the, the, the new kids come in and there's right. plus new talent and there's Derwin right. James and Jamal Adams and there's these greats. It doesn't really happen like that. Not at safety. So I think when, when you guys, and when I say you guys, of course, I mean the Chiefs got Tyron Matthews. It was kind of cool, but like with some hesitation. I feel like we're getting damaged goods a little bit here or maybe his best football is behind him. And then first team all pro, indispensable piece of the first Super Bowl team in about 5,000 years for you guys. <laughs> and he just lifts. And uh, the amazing thing here, Kyle, too, is like he just lifts other players. Like, Charlie, I, I, I make this comparison all the time with, with Matthew. If you were on Madden, it almost is like a soup up on Madden where Charvarius Ward goes from a 78 to an 82 yes. because of this guy. And it's just, it's really cool that you were able to hit on so many points with him. I, I want to transition a little bit to Good Morning Football. And you kind of alluded to it toward the beginning uh, of yeah. our sit down right here but do you Kay and Nate poke fun at Peter for how much he stands the Chiefs because it oh. comes through to us uh, on television hundred percent. Yeah. Um, we do at any chance. And listen, we look for any opening we can get about anything. I mean, it could be Peter's sweaters or Peter's hair. It could be He's anything. He's got quite a flow going on recently. Oh my God, he does. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, that's the quarantine flow. And, and he, he had it before the quarantine. So we're always looking to make fun of him, but it's in a way it's hard because let's just say this for the record in the summer of 2018, Peter Strager went on national television and said, listen, world, is this thing on? Patrick Mahomes is going to be the next big thing. And we're like, right. shut up, Peter. Crazy <laughs> dude from Texas Tech with the strange hair and the weirder voice. I mean, come on. He's like, no, no, no. I mean, you can look up the segments. They're out there. He said, I think this guy has the strongest arm in the league and could be the MVP of the league this year. Now, let, granted. This is after he sat behind Alex Smith, and he just he was nothing. He was maybe this guy will be interesting. I can't believe the Chiefs went up and got him. I'm telling you, he was the number one guy to get in there early. It's like he he invested in Yahoo in 1997, <laughs> and then like, six years later, he's like, which Bentley should I drive today? He was on the ground floor of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the only people in earlier – you know, we're Reed and Dorsey yeah. and Veach and that crew, but like right after them, Peter Schrager. So we bust his balls all the time for being a Chiefs fan. He's like, look, what are you, you going to make fun of me for winning and gambling? I won. I got a stack <laughs> of chips right here. I'm getting comped at the, in the, the highest suite in the building. There's a reason that we call him the, the Arrowhead Pride lobbyist on, on Good Morning. <laughs> He's a good one. We talk about Peter. I, I do want to talk about a prediction you made. I have a second sound for you. I just want to play. Right. And this was, this was quite a prediction. The Chicago Bears are going to win the Super Bowl next year. This year, oh! Kansas City Chiefs. I got this vision. I can't get it out of my head of Patrick Mahomes on a bus, on a Super Bowl float, just throwing beers to the crowd, throwing blocks and blocks, throwing them all the way out of the state. No look ones. And then the parade finally ends, and he sits down and signs a contract for about half a bill. Patrick Mahomes league. The Bears will have their time one year from now, but it is this guy, the MVP, the Super Bowl winner. Let's just forget everything bears there. That was like Kyle Stradamus with the beers and the half of Bill. What were you, what made you, what prompted you to, to make that prediction? I'm just sitting here listening to it and I'm like, idiot, shut up about the bears. Just get, stop talking about the bears. You're ruining the whole thing. It's a Mozart symphony and some a-hole with a guitar is on the side making noise and distracting from the beautiful instruments. Um, you got to understand the context of that. <laughs> we were in Chicago doing the show live in front of Buckingham <laughs> Fountain, which if nobody knows is the fountain from right. Married with Children. I'm wearing a... Uh, 
I, I, the whole show, I wore a Jim McMahon jersey and I had the sunglasses and the headband. I'm from Chicago. And so I couldn't help but throw Chicago some love. And they were playing that night against the Packers. So I wish I could shut up about that. But um, I just, we, that show where we do Super Bowl predictions is one of the most nerve wracking shows every single year. And I felt, you know, I was just going to do the Bears because we were there. But the Chiefs, I don't know. Like, honestly, if my serious answer about it is I think the Chiefs weren't in the Super Bowl the year before because of a coin toss. I really felt that yeah. way. If yeah. they win the coin toss, they're, they're, not, they're not stopping them. And I don't think the Rams were beating the Chiefs either. That I think the Chiefs were going to win last year. So if I'm saying you're going to a new season and Mahomes has one year as a starter and the only thing that stopped him in that playoff game was tails never fails – I'm like, they're going to win the Super Bowl again. I said, Screw Brady. <laughs> screw everybody. Uh, and so I just felt really strongly about it. And then the beers was just me being stupid. And then the $500 billion felt so super, felt so uh, over the top at the time. I'm like, I don't right. really mean it's going to be $500 billion. You know, maybe, maybe it's a $200 million deal. That would really blow everybody's hair back. No, it was $500 million. That one was just dumb luck, dude. What was amazing, too, though, was like Mahomes pouring beer into Travis Kelsey's mouth and just how outrageous it got. And it, it was just almost like you described word for word exactly Isn't that cra- and then gmfb tweeted that like six weeks ago maybe yeah and mahomes retweeted it yeah, and said like it. this is yeah. honestly crazy though and he said my name and everything and, and normally i wouldn't ooh and ah about our athletes saying my name just because i get to work with them but like i've never had any connection with mahomes if anything I, i've been an antagonist of the chiefs or him so i was really surprised that he did it but then again, P, like you said, I mean, it, there are some pretty impressive details I stuck the landing on there. So thanks, Pat. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so as as we've talked about a little bit here, I mean, yeah. I cover the league from a Chiefs perspective. Right now, it is the easiest job in the world. I, I mean, they're just so good in every facet. Run defense, okay. If you want to really pick and choose, maybe you know that sure. is something you could complain about. So it's easy. You have a tough job, right? You are covering 32 teams. I feel like anything you say on that morning program, you're hurting somebody's feelings just sure. how hard is it to make sure that you're sort of, I guess, taking care of 32 pieces of the pie equally and managing those expectations with so many people around the country watching you? That's a really good question. And the short answer is I don't try very hard and I have the luxury of being an agent of chaos where I don't <laughs> have to make nice with the Steelers unless I want to. I don't have to speak well about the 49ers unless I feel it. I and and you know, a lot of times I'm 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 not positive on teams because listen, if you say every team in the world is great and everyone's perfect and every coach is amazing, like A, it's 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 boring. B, you're full of crap. C, you're just kissing ass. Like it's just everything I don't like about TV. Like you have to have some authenticity. You know, look, if if you're constantly ripping everyone, that's a different type of show, and I don't like that either. But it's honestly, it's so tedious to just be like, yeah, this is going to be great. This new quarterback they drafted is going to be awesome. I love this new coach. You know, it's going on right now with Joe Judge and the Giants who are right here in our backyard who if anybody we should be an apologist for or rooting right. for, it should be them. And like every single day, it's fish in a barrel just making Joe Judge jokes right now because <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. So I'm not swerving outside my lane to do it. But, um, you know, it's it's I, the Chiefs thing is particular to this too because – as you know, like I, I love Mahomes, and I every, everybody's coming up daisies for the Chiefs now. But a few years back, like I would totally pot shot the Chiefs because right. they, I felt like they'd earned it because they just year after year they would blow it in the playoffs. And I, my, my take was basically like, look, they have nice players and a good team. You and I both know they're going to finish. I don't know, maybe ten and six, and then they're going to lose in the playoffs, and then they would. And I wouldn't right. take pleasure in it. I wouldn't relish it. But I'm like, why would I say that they're the Chiefs? It They're always going to be gra- the Chiefs. It got like Groundhog Day-ish for a little while there. And then they drafted Patrick Mahomes. And now it's Groundhog Day-ish and you're reliving the best day of your life <laughs> over and over and over. And it's incredible. And what a warm blanket that must be for you, Pete, for you and your legions of fans. And I mean, like, just to know whatever happens, never mind anything else. We got Mahomes and we got him forever. It must right. be such an amazing little jacuzzi to slip into. It is. It's it's hysteria <laughs> in Kansas City right now. That's Crazy. the best way to describe it. Just because it's just such a football town, and and they had a little bit of flirtation with the Royals when they were going yeah. on that run for a couple of years. But it's always been a football town, and people have been waiting for this for forever. I mean, they hadn't drafted a quarterback in the first round since the eighties, fifty years. I mean, you went through it last year covering the Super Bowl yeah, sure. every day in Miami. 
So a long time coming and, and people are just loving it here. And, and, it's, and it's great. And we get to watch a lot of Chiefs coverage on Good Morning Football, which, which we appreciate. And speaking of that, this is my final question to you. Yeah. I know that everyone around the, the NFL looks at the Chiefs and, and they say, okay, this is the Super Bowl winning team, right? That's easy. What's the perception you think of this particular Super Bowl winning team? I don't find, and this is just coming from Kansas City, I don't know if they're the villains yet, but I think that could change quickly if this winning, as we're saying, continues. It's a really rare thing, not only, quote unquote, these days, but this year, in which there's almost nothing but positivity and respect for the Kansas City Chiefs. There's just none of that. I mean, everybody hates everything now and everyone and everything sucks and everyone's the worst person of all time. And yet, man, Patrick Mahomes, he seems like a great guy. And Andy Reid, what a great story. The Chiefs, what a great franchise. There's almost no disdain. It's not tainted. by Now, don't get me wrong. It will. It will get there. Keep winning and everyone will hate you. But right now it's like, because it's not just, it's not just that Mahomes is a great player and throws no look passes and stuff. It's like he has this 100% approval rating as a human being right. that everyone's just, everyone raves about him. And I've said this before that he's kind of the perfect superstar for this generation in that he's a little different. He, he looks a little different. He's got different hair. He throws a little different. He sounds a little different. This is a guy who was raised in pro sports, who has a mixed race background, who appeals to a million different people of different demos and different backgrounds and different ethnicities, even. And, you know, he signs 500 million bucks. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'm like back in the gym. It's just, it's, it's like, he seems these, like these Teflon football Jesus that can make every throw and get every approval vote. It's really incredible. So that's my long answer. The short answer is just like, how the hell are we going to beat these guys for the next 15 years? You know, it's, that would be my one bone to pick with the chiefs. It's not their own doing, but you look at the media and they start saying, well, let's see next 12 years with Mahomes. You know, I, on the low side, that should be at least five or six Super Bowl appearances. Maybe he <laughs> cashes in four of them. Right. Let me tell you something. It's so hard. And I, my, I, my, I will point to exhibit a being about a decade ago, decade plus a little bit. Uh, I saw Aaron Rodgers standing on a podium getting showered with confetti and he looked like the greatest person ever played the position ever. I mean, no one was going to stop this guy and every media person to a man or a woman said, there's your next decade of Super Bowl. Start lining up rings for Aaron Rodgers. Dude hasn't even been to one in a right. decade. So yep. I, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade and Mahomes is amazing. And you got the cereal box over your right shoulder and everything <laughs> looks great up there. And I do think they'll get to, but like, don't start thinking like we're going to have a parade every year. It is hard, man. No doubt about it. Well, that is Kyle Brandt. You can catch him every morning during the weekdays on Good Morning Football and NFL Network. And more importantly, for the purpose of this podcast, right, go to Spotify and make sure you follow 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt and check out the 63-minute, really, really good interview with Chief Safety, Tyron Matthew. Kyle, we appreciate the time, man. Love to be here. Uh, love to talk Chiefs with you. There's people listening who are like, oh, Spotify. I don't do Spotify. Listen, if that's your thing, you feel very strongly about that, it's all on YouTube. It's all on video. Just, well, you just YouTube, yeah, Kyle option. Brandt, Tyron Matthew. It's all on video. Uh, Pete Sweeney, you are a great dude. I love Arrowhead Pride. It's a really well-run site. Uh, media... Uh, hotbed now as when you have a world champion. I will not rest until we get Pete banging that big drum down on the field at Arrowhead. You deserve to do it, my friend. Awesome for Kyle to join us. We'll be back in just a moment on your Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. John, you had a chance to take a listen to that. I noticed from the article that's about to go up on ArrowheadPride.com, you like the football Teflon Jesus line from Brent. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting point of view to hear what the Chiefs look like from a national perspective. You know, we don't always get an opportunity to get a real clear look at that. I mean, yeah, they say things on the national shows and we can interpret those for uh, at face value, whatever they are. But here we're getting a guy in a little more unguarded moment. You know, he's not on the show with his co-hosts. He's not on uh, an outlet that's where, you know, millions of people are going to see it over the course of the day. He's on our podcast and he knows that we're not going to, he's not going to get as much exposure on this podcast as he's going to get on his show. Everybody knows that. 
So he's going to be a little more forthcoming about how he really feels about it. And I thought his remarks about the Chiefs and Mahomes were spot on. And I, and I have to tell you, it never really occurred to me that Mahomes is essentially a star for this, this decade. He's the, he's the star of 2020 or the 2020s, depending on how you want to look at it. Right. And uh, I just really had never occurred to me in quite that way that it, during this time when everybody gets criticism, Mahomes doesn't get any at all. It's, it's fascinating. And it, it is rare for a team nationally outside looking in to be liked when they are as good as the Chiefs are. Right. I think this will start to get tiresome if they're able to do it. If they are able to run it back and you still have Frank Clark smiling and, and talking trash and as nice and as pleasant and as amazing a person as Patrick Mahomes is, if he's beating your team and doing it every single year, eventually that's going to turn. And that's yeah. just the fact. So I think the eventually Chiefs, he's John Elway. Yeah. I thought it would be over at some point last year, but I think everyone was rooting for Andy Reid. If the chiefs continue to have success this year and are able to run it back, I think you're looking at a villain situation in what would be 2021 where it's like, we can't let another team dominate like the Patriots did. And that's going to be awesome, right? That as a Chiefs fan, wow, you're going to be this new Patriots. So handle, handle that pressure. Well, if it does happen again, that's why they play the games, right, John? So we'll see. We'll see. Well, it could play out differently. I mean, uh, you know, Brant's making it pretty clear that he thinks that the Chiefs will become the villain if they continue to have the success that they do. But I, I'm not ready to rule out any possibility with Mahomes. You know, he just doesn't act like someone who will ever be seen as a villain, you know, even if he's beating your team consistently. And I don't know, maybe my perspective is flawed because, you know, uh, when we've had players like that who've routinely frustrated us, the John Elways, the, the Warren Moons, the Tom Brady's, We've found ways to find fault with them, and maybe those ways are unfair. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Yeah, Peyton Manning. There you go. And we've found ways to villainize them, and maybe other teams will, and fans of other teams will find ways to villainize Mahomes. But about what? Right. You know? And that was the point that I thought was most interesting about what Brant said about it was he's 100% approval rating and that's exactly the way to put it take away the patriots allure with how they've maybe bent the rules and stuff like that though Mm -hmm. tom brady the individual i know a lot of people get into deflategating and whatnot but there's not a lot to dislike about tom brady yet i i'd maybe say aside from if he's playing for your team with the tampa bay bucks he's among most hated athletes in the nfl and and i it's hard to believe a world where that happens to patrick mahomes right now Mm mm-hmm Peyton Manning, you know, you take him outside the, the Denver Broncos. Is he really that unlikable? So I, ju- I, I think there'll be ways to, to villainize the Chiefs just because they're winners. But well, I, don't, I don't quite agree that Brady is somebody that you couldn't criticize. You brought up the deflate gate thing. And I think to a certain extent, the Dark Lord has put some, some shade on Brady's right. reputation. You know, Bilicek casts a shadow over him. But I also think he's very cold. I've never gotten any kind of really human vibes out of the guy. I at least got human vibes out of Elway so much that I could respect him. You know, Peyton Manning always struck me as a machine. But that's none of that applies to Patrick Mahomes. So I don't know. I think when it comes to Brady this year will be big. A lot of people have that question of, is it Belichick? Was it Brady? Mm -hmm. Can he still sustain that success in Tampa? There's the terrible scenario for Brady's legacy. And I understand he's 43. It, it simply doesn't matter. Where if this goes horribly in Tampa, people are going to say, critics are going to say, historians, yeah, it was Belichick. Mm-hmm. And he could have been doing that with any other quarterback. That's a huge risk in, in leaving New England if you really do care about the legacy part of this. Because now you, you really have to prove that you can have success with Bruce Arians. And... I think the Bucks are going to be pretty good. I've noted that I, I think they're going to win the NFC Championship a number of times. You're but, on record with that, and I'm not going to let you forget. <laughs> but there is that off scenario where they have a horrible year, mm-hmm. and it will always be a stain on what would have been perhaps the greatest career of all time 
otherwise and not to say that it won't be but there will there will be that stain on it for tom brady well you know we don't think about joe namath with the rams now right you know and he you know that was an ill-considered move and there's other players like that but i don't, don't think his you're talking about messed up that much are you talking about jet Favre? yeah <laughs> right i mean it, it's another example of it i mean that was another ill-advised move and we've forgotten about that i had to stop and think for a second oh yeah he did play for the jets you know i didn't really i don't think about that much when i when i think about brett Favre. i mean his legacy is secure the difference here is the relationship with Belichick, right because that was something that we'll probably never see again. I mean, I brought up the, 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 the Joe Namath thing. Nobody's, nobody's now saying 50, 60 years later, oh, well, it was, it was the combination with Weeb Eubank. That's what made it work. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's saying that. And maybe a long time from now, people won't be saying that about Brady and Belichick. But right now, that's part of the narrative. That's what will be interesting is, is how long that carries, carries on. We got a nice tangent show out of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show. We went on a reporter's <laughs> tangent on the first segment, and we got a legacy tangent for segment three. <laughs> want to end with the best Chiefs thing we heard all week, and this was from Fox 4, of someone discussing the fact that Arrowhead Stadium will be allowing fans to tailgate, albeit with some social distancing mixed in. Can tailgate social distance, you know. I can have a beer, and my my buddy two times Tony, he can be six feet away. He can have a beer too. It doesn't matter. So there you go. A Chiefs fan looked like it was on the plaza. Let's play it one more time. Can tailgate social distance, you know. I can have a beer, and my my buddy two times Tony, he can be six feet away. He can have a beer too. It doesn't matter. So this gentleman and his friend two times Tony will be among the twenty two percent of seventeen thousand fans at Arrowhead Stadium when opening night happens it, it sounds like and i know there's a lot of takes on this the kansas city star editorial board condemned the chiefs for opening the stadium to fans uh, around the league there's been different teams that have said no fans the chiefs are, are still going going in with this and, and i know a lot of fans are happy about that i don't really think it's necessary to get into the politics of this but we're going to see how it goes Chiefs fans at arrowhead john well, there's so much money involved in this right. and this things that fans care about, like what will the salary cap be next year? There's so much money involved. It's, you, it's just unreasonable to expect that if the NFL teams have an opportunity to put fans in the stadiums, they're going to do it if their local authorities are going to allow them to. And I can't really, I, I, I know this is wrong. I know it's wrong. But I, I really can't get myself too worked up about that. Yeah. Fans I, want the games. They want to be able to go to the games. At least people have the opportunity to choose for themselves whether they want to go or not. I feel similarly. I, I yeah. think I'm right in the middle, I think, mm -hmm. of this thing where I, I think fans should have the right to decide, okay, I want to be able to go to the game and watch the Chiefs. This is up to me to take care of my own safety. I also don't know if there's enough information out right now to be able to positively make that call, but it is what it is, right? That's just the chiefs are going forward with this thing and you'll have the option. I guess if you're a season ticket holder, you're able to potentially purchase tickets for a number of games. There's going to be season ticket holders that can't go to certain games are going to want to go to, which is just a product of what has happened. But uh, again, this is the direction the Chiefs are going. And we know that there is at least one happy Chiefs fan. Can tailgate social distance, you know. I can have a beer, and my my buddy two times Tony, he can be six feet away. He can have a beer too. It doesn't matter. So that's the best Chiefs thing uh, I heard all week. You, what? <laughs> this is why I'm laughing about this so much. When you tweeted that clip the other day, I sent it to a friend of mine who is a rap producer. He produces uh, rap songs for people, and he calls himself Tony Two Times. <laughs> and and I sent this to actually I sent it to him on Facebook and said what are what are you famous now? <laughs> and, and he is. And, yeah. and he is he is although the name is backwards but I I <laughs> 
when you started talking about it, I didn't know you were going to do that. And when you started to play the clip, I couldn't help but laughing about it. And now I've, I've got to tell the story about my buddy, Tony two times. So, well, there you go. What an Arrowhead Pride editor show, a very unique one. A, it a certainly was. One, uh, one for 2020, we'll say. So thank you to Kyle Brandt. Thank you to, of course, my deputy editor across from the line, John Dixon. Thank you to Tony Two Times for making an appearance, I guess. You can follow John at Arrow Headphones. I am at PG Sween. Also, please follow at Arrowhead Pride. We'll keep the From the Podium podcast coming so you can get to hear from your chiefs. We will be back with you next Tuesday. You can catch the Arrowhead Pride Lab on Monday. Between now and then, keep locked in at ArrowheadPride.com for all your Kansas City Chiefs news and updates. We thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show. 